Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If you have bad eyesight, can you still see ghosts? Did a certain listener have a multiverse experience when her cat was dead for one minute and alive the next? Could black helicopters actually be UFOs in in disguise? Good evening, and welcome to the 554th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and my dad is not here today, so in his place is going to be Mark D'Antonio, who we've had on the show many, 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 many many times. And and for those who do not know Mark, he is an astronomer, lecturer, and all-around renaissance man uh, who serves as the Mutual UFO Network's uh, National Director of Audio and Video Analysis, and he's rapidly becoming a part of the Eno gang. I didn't realize we had a gang. Uh, helping us on... Me either. Yeah, well, I guess we do now. <laughs> but it's great to have you with us, Mark. And uh, he's recently been helping us. Thank you us. so much. Indeed. And he's been uh, with us on a couple of uh, recent cases in uh, his, his uh, native state of Connecticut, and also my father's native state. So it's great to have you with me, Mark. Thank you very much, Ben. It's great to be here. And uh, I look forward to... Uh just diving into the topics for the evening. Oh, there are quite a few. Uh, but first, uh, this evening we will have an open line show, as uh, Mark alluded to, uh, with uh, plenty of questions from our listeners, along with some of the latest paranormal news, and we welcome your calls. Uh, the number is 401-766-1240. That's locally. And from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, that's 800-449-1240. Alrighty, let me just uh, get over to the emails here. There, Actually, let's start with Facebook messages uh, first. Alrighty, so we're going to start with uh, Marley from uh, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and she uh, writes to us, uh, I have always been interested in uh, reports of phone calls from the dead. I have listened to your show for a few years and love your outside-of-the-box interpretations. Uh, Phone calls from the dead seem like it would be a problem for for any interpretation. If the dead person is... if, If the person is dead... How would they uh, be making phone calls? According to your view, they may be dead here, but alive in many alternate worlds. So the phone call isn't such a problem, except that it is uh, being made in this world where they are dead. Uh, as you would say, what say you? I always feel like I'm a part of the Three Musketeers whenever my dad says, what say you? I don't... Uh, <laughs> but, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's an interesting question, Marley. Um... Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm I'm trying to get my thoughts together really quickly. Uh, it would make it would make sense uh, from from what what she just said. They're alive here. They're alive somewhere else, but dead here. But the thing is, these. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Well, I, I you know I was just thinking while you were assembling your thoughts, I had uh, assembled mine, and one of the thoughts that I had was when you consider that that science is catching up to science fiction, so to speak. We find that there are parallel universe concepts that are, you know, throughout science fiction for, well, well decades. And one of the funny things is that uh, it turns out just a few years ago, science basically uh, came forward and said, hey, you know, our, our reanalysis of the Big Bang seems to indicate that not just one universe was spawned, but multiple universes when the Big Bang occurred. Now, why this is significant is that if true, well, and Marley's potential, uh, you know, her, her thought process may potentially be correct, that perhaps we go from one place to another. Uh, and, you know, or maybe we can choose to restart right here. You know, that's the famous, you know, reincarnation type uh, 
approach to life and death. But my personal feeling is that there is enough evidence on both sides to indicate that any and all of that may be true. Oh, that they, that they, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's what makes the most sense, because how could a spirit like, just, like, pick up a phone and make a call if they're not physical beings somewhere else? That's, that's the one thing I, well, I yeah. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, when we think about a phone, that, that, that sort of, that actually adds a, 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 an element of, of uh, fiction to it and, and silliness sometimes, actually, the way it gets interpreted. But think about it. A telephone is actually uh, a, a device that interacts in an electrical world, and we are, in fact, electrical energy. So if there was, and I'm not saying this is true in any way, shape, or form, because I am a scientist first and, uh, you know, a, a uh, philosopher second, but from a scientific point of view, we are uh, an electrical being. And if there was going to be a way in which uh, a being from what we call the other side interacts mm -hmm. with us, it may very well be through some form of device that can be manipulated via electrical energy. So a telephone may not be that far-fetched. It may be a silly-sounding vehicle and, and make a, a, a great fodder for science fiction or, or, or even a comedy. But um, the bottom line is it may not be so funny. It might actually be something that's based in a reality that we have yet to understand because we're not over there yet. <laughs> so mm. look back and say, fuck, well, look at that. You know, hey, Ben, we could have been using the phone all this time. Do you know that? And you'd be like, wow, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you in a minute. I'm on a call. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, it, so, it's, as, as you say, uh, or, or I've heard you say many times, that it's just, it could be undiscovered science. Yeah, science undiscovered, that's correct. And you got, almost had it. Yeah, it's, it's the difference between undiscovered science and science undiscovered is that uh, I put science foremost, right? And and it, if it's undiscovered, it's, it's on the horizon, it's farther out, and and that is exactly how I view things. And, and um, But not everything I see, I believe in, and not everything you see, you believe in. You know, our minds aren't closed, but they're not open so wide that we just accept anything that comes along. I, at least I don't. Um, I, I have to have a bit of a foundational scientific plausibility uh, behind it, and I'm open enough to know that if you look forward, you're not going to understand what you're seeing now if it's a forward science. And so uh, that to me says, well, hey, at least I can see that we might understand this someday. And that's, that's where I come from. No, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense because it, this is actually a topic I've never really thought about until this question was asked. <laughs> because yeah. I, I've, n I've never heard... It's, it's not really that, that big of... Um, of, of a topic, really. I've never really heard anybody talk about the the, the dead talking back. And for those of you who don't know, that's actually a really horrible B-movie made in the 50s called The Dead Talk Back. Yeah, it was on an episode of Mystery Science Theater, I think. And um, it was... It was... Uh, it, it's it's very... It's strange to think about, and I need to give it more thought um, before I come back with a final answer, because it risks... Rather than risk saying something that's uninformed or uneducated, so I'd have to do a little more research before I said anything about that. Well, there's a... Well, it's actually, oh, I'm sorry. It's very hard... No, it's fine. It's very hard, Ben, because when you... You know, what is it exactly that we educate ourselves on? See, this is, again, this is far-reaching. This really is more in the, in the philosophical realm now. It will be in the scientific realm later, much like it was... You know, there was a philosophy about traveling near the speed of sound at one point. Um, and then that philosophy became experiment, and that experiment 
uh, from the hypothesis became reality. And so uh, it no longer was philosophy anymore, it was reality. So we travel that path when we travel down the path of science and we travel down uh, the road that, that, that takes us through uh, the philosophy phase, which is where we are with this topic, and then toward the hypothesis phase, and then, which is also where we are, kind of in the, in the leading edge of that, and then uh, into the actual experimental phase, and then the reality comes from that, if exists. Otherwise, we disprove the hypothesis and, and then move to something different, see? Right, 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 right. The, well, then you need to retest it, too, as well. So then you need to keep getting the same result over over and over, which often is very Absolutely. hard to do with the paranormal. Yeah. It's, it's, that's one yeah. of the big, the big issues with, with uh, the scientific method when it comes to the uh, this this sort of weird realm of it. There's an interesting question that I actually I, I noticed before, and I wanted to bring this up from uh, Pastor Joe. He put this on our um, Facebook page. He's from uh, Albany, New York. And uh, he starts off as saying, uh, as always, guys, I'm a, an avid listener and uh, always interested in what you have to say. On recent shows where God has come up, you have uh, said that the Eastern Orthodox are the only Christians that could baptize uh, somebody from another planet. And why is that? Now, this is, I, this is more of a theological question, but um, I've, I'm pretty sure I can answer this. Uh, well, the reason, the reason is is because we don't believe in original sin or uh, any sort of thing like that because all creations are God's creations and so therefore the, in, uh, uh, an alien creature could indeed be baptized as, as a Christian. For, it's, it's very interesting. My dad could probably talk more about it, but it's, it's along those lines. And my dad made sure he was like, hey, bring this up. Because he... he yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing. But anyway... Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 a fasc- fascinating thing. Well, you, you taught me something, Ben. I didn't actually know that so, <laughs> at all. So um, that that's that's a new ground for me. Yeah, yeah, fun facts. That's what we like to do here on Behind the Paranormal. Lots and lots of fun facts. Alrighty, so mov- moving on. Uh, Bill from the UK right uh, also wrote to us a uh, great show. But I have to say, I I do not think you do the best job with Halt and Peniston. Uh, that was the September eighth show when we had. Uh, Colonel Hall and J- uh, Jim Peniston on the show. Uh, you let them get away with dodging questions and insulting other witnesses. That is not good interviewing. I did agree with Paul's uh, assessment at the end uh, that the whole thing is all is an all-round cover-up. Um, and so we did get a lot of feedback from uh, from other listeners besides uh, Bill here that we were too soft on the guests or whatever. And you, it's it's we don't we're not out there to attack people. We're out there to get a sto- get the story, like get get the facts. I mean, if you think that their interview was horrible, then good, that's good. I mean, at least you're getting something out of it and learning something and from it and taking taking something away. You, but you can't bring people on the show and insult them. But if they say something, I mean, we 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 I I don't have control over Mark just calling me an idiot on the air. I have no control over that whatsoever. So same same. But I only do that off the air, and you know that. Yes, yes. It's okay to do it off the air. <laughs> 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 we we can't. Well, it, you know, I I'm sorry to, to say I, I didn't hear the interaction that that night, but I I'll, I'll say this. Uh, sometimes when you have a guest on the show, you're 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 so caught up in, in trying to focus on getting the information from the person that you may skip and and let pass some of those uh, things that they might say, or you might 
call them on something that they might say, um, depending on what your mindset is. And, and, you know, I've actually done this when I've talked to, to people before. I Later on, someone would say to me, do you, you realize that you know, he was insulting you the whole time? <laughs> you know? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just, you just don't know, but even then... Um I mean, he did blatantly, like, insult people on the air. And that was, um... Yeah. That's just grossly that's not, unprofessional. That's, that's, a, that's just grossly unprofessional from someone who's trying to, like, cultivate, like, a following that's just... It's very strange. The whole Rendlesham Forest, um, case, it's it's very interesting. But at the same time, I just get so put off by all the politics, and it's just... We've had, like, 16... We've done like a combined 16 hours of interviews on, on that, and I I can honestly say I have learned nothing more than that first show that we ever did. I've I've wow. learned absolutely nothing besides that first show we did. Despite having all the witnesses on and having everybody there, there's just so many different stories. There's little to no concrete ev- like facts, like because oh hey I was at this part while this was happening. Oh you weren't there. You were over here while this was happening. It's 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 as my dad said. It's a it's a classic cover up scheme where you release accurate information from inaccurate sources and accurate information from inaccurate sources. It's just it's such a confusing and convoluted case that I just get and it's it's just strange all the followings that just developed and I, I get I get very put off by it. I can understand. I mean, uh, you know, in a, in a similar vein of, of releasing. Inaccurate information based on accurate information, for instance. Uh, have you seen the movie Mirage Men? I actually have not. All right, Mirage Men is the whole Richard's, uh, you know, the, the whole Odie Benowitz story. Um, and in that movie, uh, which I, I believe is very well done, um, I haven't vetted uh, the information personally yet in some of the cases, but uh, Odie was basically feeding Benowitz what, was, uh, what amounted to false information about aliens and so forth, but it was based on a reality Doty himself knew, which was that they do exist, and that they are here, and they are interacting with uh, people on the Earth. And uh, it was just uh, a very eye-opening movie. So that, that, that relates to this concept of releasing uh, inaccurate information based on accurate information, <laughs> which is very interesting. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it does sound interesting. I'm definitely going to check that. I, I wrote it down, so I might watch that tonight uh, if I get a chance. Okay. But um, yeah. I mean, we can't. The well, people were were saying like, oh, you should have gone after him, and it's like, well, we try to remain neutral because we're not like on in either either camp or either party or whatever side the the uh, that that's have, that have developed over the years uh, in the Rendlesham Forest case. We we try to remain neutral because we're trying to get both sides or multiple sides of the same story, therefore getting at the means. But, eh. <laughs> so I don't know how best to explain it besides saying, well, you mean you can't just bring people on the air and insult them and still try to remain neutral after that. Because uh, Jim Pennison's yeah. not trying to remain neutral, but my, my dad and I are. So, right. yes, I hope that answers your question, Bill, and we're going to be moving on to another message. Uh... And this is from uh, Tara. Don't don't know who that is, or not who that is, or where she's from, I should say. And um, she writes, I know Ben is working in some uh, movie-related stuff, so I thought I would ask him about this. I love old sci-fi movies, and I remember this scene from War of the Worlds, which I actually just watched in class the other day, uh, where the priest is saying, if they are more advanced, they must be closer to God. Oh, yes, I remember hearing that, and 
<coughs> throwing my face into my palms. Uh, what do you think about? Uh, what do you think of this statement? And how would an alien think of God or worship God? Well, I mean, all right, that, that's a that's that's a let's let's break that question. So many. Uh, <laughs> that's so varied on so many levels. There's so many ways to approach it. You know. Yes, yes, um, there are. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, what, what, what do you think? What do you think of that? Obviously, you know, let me know what you. I'd like to hear this. I love sci-fi movies. I, I like I like sci-fi stuff because I think it's interesting and I it's it's just very entertaining. I love I love thinking about things like this, but at the same time, I think it's it's a 1950s movie. It was made in uh, I think 57, 1957, or it was either I believe 50s, early 60s, and it was around that era where technology was the savior. And I'm actually in a class right now that is it's uh, a seminar on disaster movies. And we actually watched this because there's this um, theme in disaster movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s that is technology's bad, but at the same time, it's the same thing that'll save us. So technology got us into this mess, and it will get us out. There was, yeah, I mean, if you've ever seen the the movie, uh, it came out in 1962, and it was the day the day the Earth was set on fire or something. The day the Earth was on fire, and it was um, it was this British film. And it starts off where a uh, a nuclear bomb goes off in in America, and it pushes the uh, and a nuclear bomb bomb goes off in the Soviet Union, and the world gets pushed out of orbit and starts careening towards the sun. And it's about this uh, journalist uh, in the UK that's um, writing about the whole thing, and he a- ends up having this this great like this great uh, experience from becoming an alcoholic to a good guy, and then the world is eventually saved by guess what, nuclear bombs, because they just set them off again, and it sets the Earth back in its orbit, and voila, everybody's happy. So you, you have... Well, now I don't have to see it. Yeah, well, basically, I mean, you don't want to, it's not that great. But um, it, it's... Now, taking that and putting that in the theme of War of the Worlds, you have to, you have to look at historical context when you're looking at sci-fi like films. It's, this is in a time where science is is looked at with suspicion, but at the same time, it's looked at as the greatest thing that ever happened. Um, not that that's wrong, but and also not that I, I'm saying that science is bad, but saying that they they equate technology with what's going to save humanity, which is just ultimately not true, because hum, humans can save humans or whatever, uh, but a, a robot can't. That me me putting that in that kind of perspective. The perspective I'm trying to go for here is, I do not like the statement because that doesn't make sense. Because people ultimately lived for very long periods of time without like without without tanks, without guns, and without um, computers, without iPods and iPads and things. Although it seems like something insane that will never happen, it, it could. Uh, but the statement is really really pointing towards. Technology is good, and it will advance us. It's that progressive kind of statement that is made um, from the time that ultimately human progress is what will get us uh, to utopia. And it's that uh, utopian concept that is pushed through again and again and again in many, many, many different films. I mean, if you look at any old sci-fi film, starting from there on, uh, you'll, you get the idea of that utopia that's uh, be- being pushed by technology or progressive um, uh, of a progressive mindset. So I don't like the statement, honestly. I don't like it. I don't like it, and that's what I think about it. Um, what, do, what do you think, Mark? 
Well, in, in my view, I think that uh, yeah, when we when we talk about uh, technology saving the world, I mean, who's running the technology? I mean, there there are uh, technological singularities, okay, and uh, these are things actually that, that Mika Hanks could talk to you about as well, and uh, you know, because he wrote a book about uh, such things. And one of the things that I think is important to understand, I think, is that uh, there could come a point where the technology runs itself but the technology is not going to have any connection to humanity. It's not going to have any interaction with humanity other than it is just going to continue to run itself. Uh, so uh, I think we can end up with two separate forms of quote-unquote life, where one is us and one is this techno-life that we've created. Uh, in, in War of the Worlds, uh, which was uh, 1953, I think, actually, um, I think that I think that one of the things that, that happened there is that uh, you know in that statement uh, I'm going back to what you said earlier in that statement closer to you know, are the aliens closer to God well you know that that sort of uh, assumes a lot of things including the fact that an alien species would think there is some kind of a creator that an alien species would uh, think that there is some need to to seek a creator um, so to speak you know, and it's, that's a task that humans undertook. Now, by our own existence and our own uh, desire to, to seek answers to where we came from, uh, I don't that another species would think differently in that regard. I think they would probably be interested in knowing where they came from if they're sentient in any way uh, or intelligent and reasoning creatures. They would probably be very interested in knowing where they came from. To that end, we figured out how the world started. We figured out how the world was created out of the solar nebula and uh, coalesced from material uh, left over from many, many supernova before it formed. And, and then uh, we discovered that you know life on Earth took this really interesting, intricate path, but at any one point along the way, it could have been changed to something else. Uh, had there not been a, as we've talked about, I think, in the past, a, a dinosaur extinction, uh, several, as a matter of fact, major extinctions on the Earth, uh, then who knows what the dominant life form would have been on the Earth. But uh, dinosaurs lived several hundred million years, but not one of them ever reached the intelligence level of humans in the short amount of time that humans have been here. So uh, that said, you know, uh, as we progress and make our technology, we are the creators of the technology, but we are also the ones who are going to Either destroy ourselves or push ourselves off this planet and get us out, you know, get ourselves out to the stars. You know, and of course we have to do that because our sun is not going to last forever. It's going to be gone in four to five billion years and the earth will actually be gone. It's hard to believe, but the earth will be incinerated by our own sun eventually. Uh, not by a supernova, but by spelling into a passive red giant. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that we will depend on technology to do for us. And, and uh, one of the things that we have to do is make sure that we always, always are in control of that technology and never let it become, uh, so to speak, a techno-life until it's, uh, which can make decisions for us that are based on a learning software within or, or changes it makes to itself. Yeah, I mean, I have a friend who's actually, um, he just graduated from Brown University with a degree in applied mathematics and is working in programming, and he got into an argument 
with one of my other friends, and he, uh, uh, my my friend who has the the degree from Brown, was saying, "Oh yeah, within the next like five years or so, we will have self upgrading upgrading technology." And it's like when it gets to that state, he's like, "Oh yeah, we're definitely going to be like it, it's definitely going to kill us." Like, <laughs> it's like, there's, it, when, it's like once it starts, you can't stop it. So, <laughs> but we're. Well, I understand. I, I yeah. understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a very terrifying double-edged sword, really. You're right. It is. I mean, when you look at uh, some of the things that occurred in the Terminator movies, obviously that's what everybody thinks of when they think of a technology that that basically takes us and controls us. Another movie that's just absolutely amazingly good is Colossus: The Forbin Project. If you haven't been able to see Colossus, that's a movie to see. It's about an American supercomputer that becomes self-aware, so to speak, and then decides it's going to show humanity how to operate because humanity is highly illogical and needs guidance. And then halfway through the movie, the message comes across the Colossus screen, there is another. And that's like, whoa. I mean, the way it was delivered was so interesting. And then what that means is the Russians have such a supercomputer too. And it, then the movie takes out a whole new a whole new uh, approach, and that's 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 a movie for everybody to see. Colossus, the Forbin Project. Cool. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm gonna have to check that out. Jeez, so many good movies that's a I can watch. <laughs> so no, that's a very good one. That, that one, that one, that one is actually a very good one that that, that actually attacks and and uh, discusses as a backstory to the drama, um, the ethics of human decision versus machine decision. And how do you hold machines accountable for making decisions that even humans wouldn't make uh, as regards life and death uh, and so forth? And so it's, it's a movie that's actually worth watching because you, through the movie you actually begin to, to feel that Colossus is a living being inside of a machine, of wires and tubes at the time, because uh, Colossus, the Borbon Project, uh, that movie was, uh, oh gosh, let me see if I can uh, remember when it was. Um, it was okay. I'll have to now look at it just to see. I can't remember, but it was 1970. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that too. Darn it all. Uh, really good. Really good movie. So you got to check that out. That that deals with technological singularities and what happens with danger, most dangerous type hmm. of singularity. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, geez, I'm going to check that out. Well, on that depressing note, well, we're going to we're going to go to a break. <laughs> <laughs> so you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on uh, WON1240 and uh, ONWorldwide.com, the beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Russ Gorman. It was written in the stars, and what was written in the stars will be. Your astrological chart is based on the positions the planets were in on the day you were born, influencing your destiny, past, present, and future. I've had decades of experience doing charts with a large celebrity clientele and others all over the world. The stars are a beacon lighting your future. Your chart provides the answers to questions on health, money, relationships, all your most important concerns. The in-depth guidance that you need is here for you. If there's a windfall in your chart, I'll find it. Call me at 401-333-4048 to order your chart or update, revealing the exciting changes coming up. Let me tell you how to get the most out of your future and keep you moving forward. I'm available for speaking engagements, for clubs and groups, and for private parties. Call me at 401 401- 
333-4048. Benefit through my years of experience. Hey there. Uh, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, or uh, Paul and, or, well, Ben and Mark, because I am not Paul. And uh, we are on uh, WON1240 and ONWorldwide.com. I'm going to get right back to our open line show. And so this next uh, comment comes from Mark out in uh, Spruce Grove, Alberta, way up in Canada. Hey, guys, I recently discovered your podcasts, and I am trying to find 600 hours to catch up on them. If you had a couple of years, you could probably catch up on them. Uh, On the uh, UFO question, uh, do you give any credence to the idea that the military is actually involved with aliens, underground bases, and all that? Uh, Why would that be the case? Uh, Do you think of the uh, idea that aliens are actually uh, pulling the strings on this planet, and the interference on some of your uh, UFO shows is so obvious, like they are trying to draw draw attention and uh, uh, more than deflect it. Uh, What do you really think? Again, another question with a lot um, involved in there. And um, So the first thing really is, uh, do you give any credence to the idea that uh, the military is actually involved with aliens, underground bases, and all that? Um, To be honest, I don't really know. I would. I think that that's the first thing everybody jumps to, and I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, if you look at the mess that the country's in, I don't understand where they'd have time or the budget or the budget to actually be able to be involved in this. Um, what say you, Mark? Well, you know, our our, um, our mutual UFO network show, Hangar One, actually uh, went out to the Dulce base in. Uh, New Mexico to uh, discuss the credence of that that theory, that possibility. Um, but you know, the truth is, uh, there really isn't any direct evidence that there is such an underground base of any kind. Now, I hate to say that because I too would love to think that uh, you know there is some kind of a presence here that we don't know about because that's just you know interesting stuff to me, and we could then go research it and, and try and uh, figure it out. But uh, as far as I can tell, although I, I, I actually have one person who watched the helicopter fly into a cliff and not get destroyed because it went into this cavernous opening, <coughs> which uh, then um, uh, didn't go away magically, but, but you know, a, a door closed or something, like a big hangar in the mountainside, which was a, an odd thing for this person to see. And uh, I believe that, this, that that person saw that. Now, and that could just be... Uh, a, an Air Force base or some type of a base for um, our own private military work that we do. And if that's the case, well, then I could see how something like that could get mistaken as a higher technology uh, area, higher technology base or whatever. But uh, the honest truth is there are rumors of other bases all over the place. I, I there's And I can't say we're in the West Coast because it's an active investigation. I received a multi-page handwritten document uh, discussing a, uh, a base um, just like that in, in California. <clears throat> and uh, the, the, the papers have a map showing the internal layout, and there's a discussion of, of what happened to these people and what they thought might be happening. But what's interesting about this is when you read this, Usually people that are fabricators, and this is something that, that uh, I, with my other work I do, I, I can recognize people that are fabricating and lying. And one of the things I noticed about this document was it's written in a way that a fabricator probably wouldn't write it. In other words, 
fabricators tend to over-describe or add more detail than they actually, you know, you know, to really sink it, make it sink in. They try to overemphasize certain things. This document uh, left you lacking, left you lacking in a way that made you wonder whether any of it was, you know, real or whatever, because as you read it, you started to think, you know, I, I wish you could tell me more about this, this room where they were all put, you know, prior to being let out by, you know, what he's calling alien beings, right? you know, but, but he, but he's saying that he can't remember anything about that room, but it was there. In a fabricator's mind, uh, he, you know, he or she probably couldn't let that sit and have to add detail. And, and it's precisely the lack of details in certain areas in this document that made it actually seem more legitimate. Although, I'm not saying it's legitimate. I'm just saying uh, whoever wrote it understands, you know, potentially, on one side, how fabricated work. And they can actually uh, work around that and feed into the people, uh, say, like me, who would read something and know how a fabricator works and come to the conclusion I came to and make me come to the conclusion I came to. So, um it's a very interesting document. It's still being looked at, and there's still a lot to go. So um, I can't say that every single place like that is, is not real. I can just tell you that so far for Dulce, we don't have a whole lot of evidence that actually suggests it's really there. Yeah, I mean, there, there's also the idea that um, our country's going broke, for one. I mean, we are broke, and we don't really have... I, f- I feel like they'd need to set aside a very, very large set of funds, unless it's privately donated. But at the same time... Um, I've heard some some ideas tossed around that I mean most most countries can't go to war because it's too expensive to go to war nowadays or like even then like space travel is extremely expensive. I mean we have the technology to terraform Mars, but we don't have the money to terraform it. It's it's a question of where is the money coming from to be able to do such research. And my guess would be probably private companies. That would be not not to be like a classic millennial like. Oh well, it's the big companies, man. They're the they're the ones that are pure evil, because that's not always the case. But what I'm saying is, um, they're probably the ones that had the largest the largest bankroll to be able to, um, uh, afford such such ventures. Do you know what I'm saying? I I do actually, and uh, one of the things that we have always struggled for uh, is for years is to try and find. Uh, where all the money goes for the black budgets, and we'd like to know. Of course, we'd love to know what's going on in the background, what what technologies are being worked on. But there are big black holes where a lot of money goes that no one ever knows about. So, mm, true. could part of that theoretically uh, be part of a uh, project that deals with extraterrestrials? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, if you think about it, um, there is now a laboratory that's been set up, federally funded that is investigating the Alcabieri Drive. Now, what the heck is that? We've talked about this before. The Alcabieri Drive is a warp drive, not like Star Trek in the same kind of way. I mean, the word warp drive just describes how it kind of ends space-time, and that's for another show we can talk about that. But but it's it's a high-speed drive that could take us to the nearest stars in just a few days as opposed to tens of thousands of years. So... Uh, there has been federal money set aside to look at that. But when you go looking for it, you can't find it you know, that, that readily. You actually have to dig a bit to find that out. So in the same way, there's probably other projects, and that was public, by the way, not private. So in the same way, the private ones, the ones they don't want anyone to know about, are probably buried deep within another black budget, black budget 
they had a black project beyond that. So there's probably something going on deep within another project, and that's probably where these things are couched. That's probably where they live. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's interesting. And then the next the next uh, question would be, um, uh, what do you think of the idea that aliens are actually uh, pulling the strings on this planet? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I I, I don't think that aliens are. You know, if there's aliens, they're not. I don't believe they're pulling strings. I think that uh, they're. That isn't something that I think would be. Um, of importance to them. I, I really don't, and I've actually never felt that way. Now, I have felt they, you know, that because of the requirement for traveling interstellar, they would necessarily be thousands of years ahead of us, not 50 or 100, but thousands of years ahead of us. That does not mean that we would be viewed as ants, which is the classic you know, statement, well, they view us like we view ants. No, I actually don't believe that because the, <laughs> between ants and us, there's not just thousands, there's millions of years, um, not difference, but there's evolutionary paths that are all different. So I don't believe that. I believe that uh, if we saw, um, you know, a, a, a chimpanzee versus a human, we don't treat the chimpanzee like an animal will just kick and move out of the way. Mm. We treat chimpanzees very differently. We treat them as, quote-unquote, close to human uh, you know, in that regard. So we would actually treat them this way. And that's how I think aliens might consider us. If they are at all human, which uh, is not necessarily the case, however, uh, they probably have bilateral symmetry. That seems to be a, a, a prevalent feature of most life forms. Uh, and that means they'll have maybe two legs or four legs as opposed to three or one. Um, and two eyes, perhaps, if they have eyes. They might have sonar receivers. Um, they might have, uh, you know, ultraviolet uh, spots that only see ultraviolet light or only infrared light. It depends on their spot. Not to run that path. The point being, I do not think that uh, beings that come here would control us in that regard. I don't think that's their nature. I don't think that's important to them. No, I, I I agree with that. Also, we have another caller on the line. We have uh, Bill with us this evening. Welcome to the show, Bill. Hello. So, I, so hey, what's Bill. your question? I sent my my my, my UFO report to to move on, and, and I haven't heard a word about it. <laughs> well, Bill, what was the uh, what was your when was your sighting? Um, uh, July third, uh, twenty ten. Okay. Did you but ever? I uh, but I didn't. I didn't. Didn't. Re- Report it right away. I did. I waited a few years. Okay, that's that's not uncommon, actually. It uh, was now one of the things It was right over my head. Okay. I was trying to take okay, a picture did you, of. Whoop. Did you not take a picture? I, I had a camera in my hand and I didn't take a picture because it, it happened so quick. I, I looked okay. up and there was a there was a saucer over my head and it, and it kind of disappeared into the clouds and, and it was gone within a few seconds. Wow! But but, but it was watching because I, th- I think I think my camera, the flash was going off and I think the flash uh, attracted it. But it was huh. totally silent. Well, I have to say this: you, uh, when you we have right now in our database, there's there's upwards of fifty five fifty six thousand cases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 56,000, 55,000 around there. And one of the things we got to understand here is that 
if we get a report that doesn't have like a photo or a video with it, yeah. well then it's it's what we call anecdotal evidence. We add that yeah. to the list. Your your report didn't get lost. It got actually yeah. it's actually in there. In fact, um, if you tell me tell me the um, uh, tell me the uh, uh, location where it occurred. Uh, uh, Franklin, Massachusetts. Okay, so it occurred in Franklin, Mass. Yeah. And it occurred in 2010. Uh, yes. J- okay, July 3rd, uh, I believe. I was trying okay. to watch fireworks. Okay. Wh- when did you actually uh, report it to MUFON? Uh, maybe a, a year or two ago. Okay. So it occurred in 2010, but the actual report was uh, yeah later on yeah. 11 or 12, okay. All right, let me... Uh, oh, while, I, we're, I, while we're still out of I just, here, I just thought I'd mention it. No, I think that's fine, but you need to understand also that, that those reports don't get lost. If I, yeah. uh, here's the interesting thing. If someone from MUFON got back to you, I'm not sure what it is that they say. <laughs> what can we yeah, say? I, I know. You know, it's, I, yeah, there's nothing I mean, to look, maybe I'd like to get a thing. There's nothing to look at. Thank yeah, that's important. There's nothing yeah. to look at, but... And, and if but you're, but somebody, somebody, well, somebody from from Woonsocket uh, saw saw something strange in my direction that same night too. Oh, really? Interesting. It was a guy named Moose. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Ben knows, ben knows who he is. Oh yeah, yeah, Moose, Moose, Moose. I was, I was just like, it took me a second. I was like, wait, Moose actually saw something? <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't told me. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mention that before. No, no, he saw something in in my. In this, in this in this direction, that same night, about the same time, it was it was around ten fifteen at night. Yeah, Franklin's not too far either. It's maybe like 12, 12, 13 miles away. Yeah. Um, Interesting. One, one, one other thing, you know, uh, my sister sister passed away a few months ago, and 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 I'm still waking up in, in my dreams, hearing hearing her call me. That could be. You know, it could be. Um, that's my it, dreams that's wake up and I hear her call me, and and I know she's not calling me because she doesn't hear anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Is this is this and right when you're waking up? Yeah, it's 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 how how my dream dream ends. I'll, I'll hear her call me. Hmm. It, it could be it could be sleep paralysis. I was telling uh, I'll tell my other sister. Oh, it's 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 my sister in, in, a, in a parallel universe. I'm listening. I can hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not. Well, you not know, wrong. I, mean, uh, I wouldn't actually be so quick to laugh that off, though, Bill, because you know. Uh, even though we don't have solid proof, we do have uh, a hypothesis based on data acquired through science that uh, parallel universes may very well exist. And so it, it's not impossible uh, for you to, to think that. To think that. But, it, but, see, I think that the bottom line is you think of her as your sister, but what you might be actually hearing from is that new person she's become if she started over somewhere else. And I know that's sort of, you know, that goes down that path. You know, people believe in, in the whole, uh, you know, starting over in a parallel universe idea. But basically, that's the uh, that's the that's the thought. You know, that that's the possibility. So I think that it's, um, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible. I do think that it's. Uh, they're all very interesting to, to discuss I, that. I first learned about learned about parallel worlds from 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 Dark Shadows, the TV series. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Oh yes. The best the best <laughs> show that ever was. <laughs> yeah. And then the movie uh, ruined. Well, it. Was, <laughs> although half yeah, right. Well, I think Dark have to have the people are dead now, but. <laughs> hmm. 
But I think Dark Shadows, isn't that also the, uh, yeah, maybe that was a show that was uh, done on video. It was on those ones that was yeah. on video. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was very sharp and crisp and clear and forever tainted anybody who makes movies that are crisp and clear to make it look like video. And people say, ah, oh, this looks like cheap video. <laughs> yeah, right. And that, and that, and that, and that new movie that was a comedy was kind of uh, not very good. <laughs> yeah, it was miserable. Right. Yeah. It was really bad. Okay. Okay, I just, I just I just thought I'd give, give a call and ask, ask a couple things. Yeah. Well, thanks, Bill. I always appreciate no, well, thanks. it. Okay. Thank you. That was actually very good to hear. And I, I'm gonna, um, I'll, I'll be looking anyway while we're talking here. I'm gonna start looking in uh, the database and see if I can locate uh, anywhere where, where that might have, where that might have gone. You didn't, you didn't give my name. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm actually looking for. Well, I'm, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if I can search on the witness name, but you know what, Bill? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna be searching now on. Um, uh, I think uh, H two is. Look. I think H. I think H two is going to show uh, Hangar One tonight. Uh, three shows in a row. At, yeah. at eight o'clock. Yeah, probably. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, our, our series is very popular. Fun. Yeah. Actually, it's very very We're well very done. happy with that show. Okay. Okay. Bye. All right, Bill. All right. I, I will keep Thanks, looking. Bill. I will keep looking. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Nice. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, I never actually knew about the whole database process. That's it's fascinating. All right. So back to other Mark's question. Mark from uh, Alberta. So yeah. Uh, now my opinion on uh, what do you think about the idea of aliens that are actually pulling the strings on this planet? I mean, I mean the world's pretty pretty nuts. If <laughs> I mean, some people. Some I've heard some people tout that they're they're trying to make a, a utopia here on Earth. Uh, they being um, Greys or whatever, and they're if that's what they're attempting to do, they're doing a very poor job at it. Um, I, I I think we're very we're capable of ruining our own planet. Um, so <laughs> I I don't see what the purpose would be of of them even bothering to get involved in in petty human things. It's like um, I heard a very long, very very long time ago when I was, I was very young. My dad used to have cassette tapes, or it might have been a CD. It was either a cassette tape or a CD that he, we would listen to in the car. And it didn't, I didn't connect the dots until I was much older that this was a very very young Stan Freeman um, who was doing radio interviews, and uh, my dad I guess recorded it or or something, or, or managed to get his hands on some cassette tapes of it. And uh, he said that. It was very interesting what Stan said, and this is this stuck with me like all the way from when this was like maybe nine, ten years ago. This this has stuck with me. Um, that actually it was much longer than that. It was probably like fifteen years ago. Uh, that aliens would probably view us as not very advanced. That we are just nothing but warring tribes, and that we have not advanced beyond that state. That we are still in that warring tribe state, and that was what really fascinated me and so if some someone who is as quote advanced unquote as an alien life form if they are indeed as technologically advanced as we think then why would they want to get involved with petty tribes that, that's that that's that would be my my um uh retort to uh mark in alberta and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very... He, he goes on to also say, in, in the interference on some of your UFO shows is very obvious, like they're trying to draw attention uh, more than deflect. Uh, what do you really think? Well, I, I think that it's just... It, it is extremely obvious, and um, 
I find it interesting that the the shows that we do that are are more about um, parasites and poltergeists and things like that they get little to no attention. But something as as simple as um, whenever we do a UFO show or whatever, there's all there was there was interference and such and mysterious figures wandering around the CBS studio and it was it was. Um, it just it just seemed a little too obvious. We don't nothing really happens here on on ON. Um I mean it's it's a it's a nice little building and you'd know who was here and who wasn't here. So we, we don't really there's really not much going on that would um cause such interference. Maybe because it was a larger network than at the time they probably would've been like, "Oh, well, let's mess with them more." But even then it's not like we're well-known figures that it, it something we'd say would be so um so rustling to the establishment that they would feel the need to interfere with us if that was indeed what was happening. But I don't know. Uh, all, all I know is that there was some spooky stuff that happened on some of our shows. But I don't know. What do you hmm. think, Mark? Well, you know, I, I think that the, when you look at aliens, people like to say, well, the aliens, if we get nuclear and we're going to you know, blow ourselves up, they'll stop it. I, that, to me, that's wishful thinking. Because mm-hmm. honestly... I, I think that they have long since passed that, that uh, danger, and they are probably um, probably have some manner in which they can completely um, remain untouched if something like that were to happen, and they were, say, down deep in the ocean or wherever they were. Um, even if it was you know, right on them, for instance, they could just you know shift out dimensionally and go to another location uh, in the universe in a, in a split second. Now, I say that. Uh, and it doesn't sound very scientific, but it is based on, you know, some far-reaching, I admit, uh, theoretical work in string theory that talks about how you can actually utilize string theory for propulsion. There's a variety of methods, and that's a whole other thing to talk about eventually. But the bottom line is that uh, we, they would be probably completely immune to that. They could literally exist sort of in a side dimension to our four dimensions of X, Y, Z all moving through time in our universe. So I don't think they would care. Uh, the only way they would care is if they put us here <laughs> yeah, exactly. and seated us. Uh, and then they might care uh, to do something. And that's another thing people like to think is that maybe they'll do that because they're, our caretakers are the ones that put us here in the first place. That's possible. You know, I cannot discount that. That could be science undiscovered down the line. Um, but it is true that all that stands between us and them is uh, our, their, our development of science and their current science. And the time will come, and we'll answer these questions and more. Yeah, I mean, the thing, too, is is we can't... This is the thing I'm, I'm all, always saying to people, is we, we can't put human traits on non-human entities. I feel like that would either... Precisely. Yeah, I mean, that would do them a disservice. Uh, that, that, I'd find that very insulting if I was... Um, a different life form that was getting all these these things uh, put upon me that are just not my intentions whatsoever. To say that they even have some sort of uh, intentions that we could possibly understand would be a extremely arrogant and b extremely naive. So it's which is a very very dangerous combination, especially if if people do say in their experience, well, I mean, I was abducted and blah blah blah, and they're coming to save the earth or whatever. I feel this is something I've noticed in the paranormal work that we've done that people will take an experience and they'll walk away with what they want to walk away with. That 
so a bunch of people could experience the same thing and walk away with something entirely different. For example, um, in uh, Egypt, I want to say this was in the 90s, there was an apparition of the Virgin Mary, and not only Christians saw it, but Muslims saw it, uh, Coptic, Coptic Christians saw it, and Catholics and Orthodox and all sorts of different groups of people saw this apparition. And you'd, you, people will take away what they will from that. And people will take yeah. things and they will add on to it. So a simple mm-hmm. something something as something as simple as um, someone being abducted, uh, we don't know their intentions. We can't we can't say for sure whether whether something something like oh well they're coming to to harvest us or whatever and they're coming to destroy us or they're coming to save us. We don't really know because all we have is what we've seen and we'll take that and try to make sense of it in our own human framework. That's very very well said. I couldn't say it any better. Indeed. You know, really quick. Now, I, I just wanted to add here, just real quickly, uh, so William doesn't think uh, that I've forgotten about him. Uh, or, or Bill. Okay, Bill, if you're still listening, I found your case. It's case 4, uh, 49,301 in the MUFON database. And it discusses you wanting to view the fireworks and then seeing something in the sky. It's all in here, Bill. Uh, it's all been documented, all been stored in the database. So uh, it wasn't lost. And I just want to acknowledge that for you and to thank you, although highly belatedly, uh, for sending that in. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least you found it. That's a plus. Uh, that is an amazing archiving system. That was only maybe 10 minutes of searching, <laughs> if that. Well, it was, uh, I was just waiting for the... Uh, in fact, that would have been instantaneous, uh, but I uh, was waiting for... I didn't know exactly when he submitted it, so I had to go through uh, uh, several years of uh, submissions to look for the keywords, uh, and, and it finally came down to uh, you know the speed of my browser uh, over my particular internet line, mm. while you know, so someone else here in my office is streaming a television show and watching that. So I've actually got my bandwidth being cut into. <laughs> oh, basically, yeah. Well, uh, on to the announcements after that that final question. So don't miss the second uh, or the second New England UFO conference that's on October seventeenth and eighteenth at the uh, City Hall in Lemerston, Massachusetts. My dad and myself. My will birthday. Oh, it is. It is your birthday. Will you be at the conference? Seventeenth. I will. I'm talking. I'll be. I'll speaking. I believe I'm speaking on the eighteenth. Come on, come on. It's absolutely going to be wonderful. Yeah. So you are. So you are speaking. Great job. Along with uh, Stan Friedman, Kathleen Martin, and uh, some of the Redwood Forest uh, witnesses, including St- that's uh, Steve Laplume as well, and a number of others that uh, you've also heard on this show. So my dad and I will be doing a drawing for free tickets uh, to that event. On, or actually, oh, we already had a drawing to that uh, event. That was last week, and the winners are, were Victoria Nevins of uh, Denver, Colorado, and uh, Julian Fallon of uh, Andover, Massachusetts. And we hope to see you there. Information about the event, that's at neufoconference.vp. Uh, web.com and uh, on our September uh, on uh, September on sep- Saturday uh, November 1st my dad and I will be uh, the featured speakers at the uh, autumn paranormal event to benefit the New Hampshire SPCA and this will take place at the Lane Memorial Library on uh, 2nd Academy Ave in uh, Hampton New Hampshire and that is from noon to 4 p.m. and our program is what's really behind the paranormal and on the show uh, website, that's BehindTheParanormal.com, you can find over 600 uh, free podcasts of all of our past shows and all sorts of good stuff like that on our uh, main website as well, NewEnglandGhosts.com. 
com. And next Monday, October 6th, my dad and I will welcome uh, New York producer, author, and paranormal legend Timothy Beckley uh, for a discussion about impossible coincidences. And that will be right here on WON1240 and ONWorldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. And we leave you this evening with a positive word from singer-songwriter Willie Nelson. Uh, once you replace a negative, negative thoughts with positive ones, you'll start having positive results. I'm Ben Eno, and thank you for and joining I'm us. Antonio. <laughs> there you are. And thank you for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.